my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? It will mean a lot if you rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. The way the algorithm works, the more you rate and say nice things, they'll introduce Black Tech Green Money to more people. And more of us need this content. So thank you for rating this podcast five stars today. Afrotech 2019, Oakland, California. Delane Parnell is the CEO of Play Versus the fast-growing esports company taking school districts across the U.S. by storm. He's on stage speaking with Blavity CEO Morgan DeBond about team building, hiring, and putting the right people in the right seats on the bus to grow a successful company. Uh, from a team perspective, like, I love my team. Like, uh, I think I have an incredible collection of people. It's one of the most diverse companies you'll walk into ever. Um, you know, gender, ethnicity, background, you know, so many beautiful shades of people. Uh, and they're all really experienced. They've helped build companies. Uh, they all have different backgrounds. Um, and, uh, and I'm super fortunate for that. The one thing that, that'll make a company be successful is team. Like, the idea literally does not matter because the idea evolves too, right? And it changes over time. And, and it changes based on the people that you work with and you hire. And so finding the best team possible uh, is super important. And the, the one thing that, you know, I always focused on, especially because we raised so much money, was now I have the resources to swing, you know, basically in the different weight class. So I went out and hired the best executives. Like, you know, I was hiring executives whose opportunity was like, come join this really small startup with five people or go be the ex an executive at Bird when they were, you know, just raised a billion dollars. But, you know, I had a lot of confidence. You know, I had a really strong vision. 
and, and I was just on their phone every day. Hey, look, let's talk about this more. Tell me, tell me what issues you know you have. What are you contemplating on this? Just like trying to work through their problems to convince them to come over. And we ended up hiring some really incredible people. But uh, but yeah, like look, team, hire hire really strong people. Don't prioritize hiring friends. Hire the best person for the job, and 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 don't worry about domain experience. So like for us, like we're focused on esports. So we don't need people who understand esports. We need people who have incredible depth at whatever their job is. So if you're a CFO, I want you to be the best CFO possible based on that skill set, and then I want you to be an incredible leader, right? So like leadership ability and skill, and then depth in your experience uh, and like your domain, I think is most important than actual market experience. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Arlen Hamilton is an investor and the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, which specializes in investing in women, people of color, and LGBT founders. She released her first book from Penguin Random House entitled It's About Damn Time, which is based on her personal journey into entrepreneurship and venture capital. I asked Arlen, since black people are the culture that has driven revenue for so many companies, whether it be in social media, music, entertainment, why don't investors just go to the well and fund black people? You know, cut out the middleman. Same reason they don't do it everywhere else. It's the same reason you have... Uh, I don't know the percentages, but think of any major sports team, uh, football or the NBA, most of the players are black, none of the quarterbacks are black, none of the owners are black, none of the this and the that are black. Same reason you have uh, every once in a while they'll they'll throw us a, a movie or a TV show, but who's the, who are the executives, who are the showrunners, with the exception of a few who have broken ground, who get to actually make decisions there. Uh, it's always us asking them for permission. And uh, with the exception of people like Tyler Perry and uh, Ava DuVernay uh, and Issa Rae, et cetera. So when you look at companies, are you trying to predict that this company will will make it or are you trying to ride away? Because I, I guess what I'm asking is some some companies get funded super early and some they got to have that traction for an early stage investor to put the money in before they actually have a thing. So we invest at Backstage, at my firm, we invest in 2% about about what we see. You know, so just about 2%, sometimes it's less. And so first out the gate, I think every single company that we end up investing in, I have to feel is going to be successful. Um, and we are notorious for being a first investor in with no other person telling us or entity telling us that's what we're supposed to do. And we also have been in several deals where it was obvious uh, that they had something going and that was going to make it. But we always look at it from the lens of, we believe this can be something. At the same time, I think what's also helped us a lot is that even though we are our sharky venture capitalists, we are also looking at it as these are humans, and there are a lot of uh, variables that none of us can control, the, the the company themselves or the VCs. And we're going to be with them through all of the ups and downs because 
there's no way to tell that early if something is going to work. You can hope and expect it to, and you can say all things being considered and all things being fair, this should have worked. But then things aren't fair in the real world. Um, so I look at it as, first of all, if you made it to the 2%, there was something there. That's not to say that what we don't invest in does shouldn't be invested in. It's just that that's what we invest in. Um, and then second of all, it's, how can we do everything on our in our power to be additive and help them reach their goals? And sometimes that also means just getting out of their way. You you use the phrase that you know you have to believe in something. Like what makes you believe? Oh, a few things. I, I'm I'm looking at things that they've done before. You know, I'm 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 looking at uh, what what did you do before you met me? You know, before you got into this room or in this Zoom, <laughs> how, where did you take yourself? And so many times, especially with the founders that we're investing in, people have incredible stories of kind of feats of nature of like getting to where they are. Um, and and there's always something to behold there. So it's about what they've accomplished with the very limited resources they may have had, or or if they've had more resources than that, have they used them wisely, in our opinion? So I look at that, I look at, are people uh, paying attention to them? Are they, do, they, do they have customers, whether that be B2B or B2C? Like, do they have something about their product, their service, the charisma uh, of, of who they are if they're super early? Is there something there? And that's why we rarely invest in the idea stage we invest um, emotionally at the idea stage, but we do not invest in, uh, financially there because there's so many companies by underrepresented founders, underestimated founders, where the, out the gate, it's, it's about making money. Yeah. Not about like three, four years, oh, we didn't make any money and we're gonna be VC backed $10 million into this. So there's a lot to look at. There's a lot of data to look at, but then ultimately, that early, I'm looking at, is this person going to wake up every day and breathe life into this company? You, you talked about the human element of, you know, what you do. And you have people who I would imagine when we were all outside, you know, we'll see you at a conference, not an Afrotech, but see you at a conference and you're they're black and you're the only black VC in the room. And like Arlen's got to understand what mm -hmm. what I'm what I've what it took for me to get in this room, you know, number one, but to get here with a thing. And I wonder when they come to you with that bleeding heart, you know, how much of that, how, how do you manage that when it's also, look, this is about venture capital and yeah. it's not just about, I love what you're trying to do. I see that your heart is, I see your passion, but this is about dollars and cents still. Yeah. It, I couldn't do what I do if I didn't know how to separate the two, because like I said, 2% of what we see. So it's 98 stories, most likely, that are like that to, to you know, the other two. Um, I'll say what I've said since the beginning. This isn't your black, let me write you a check day. This is not what this is. So what I do in my career, in my profession as a venture capitalist, as an investor, however you want to call it, is I make investments based on criteria that I have and uh, instincts that I have 
and the effort to make money for myself, for our stakeholders, and for our LPs. Yeah. And what I do outside of that and the other six revenue streams that I have is if I want to be philanthropic, I can be philanthropic all day long. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I have to separate it. Yeah. Well, I'm not, you're not coming into the room for me, the investor, and trying to get me on a sad story because I have a sad story. Yeah. You know, He's and I wasn't the first person to, to tell the sad story. You know, <laughs> the sad story was kind of outed, and, and then I kind of went on that ride. Um, once I realized that it was helping a lot of people get through their current situation. But you can't get me on a sad story because I'm going to care. Like, I, I'm a caring person. But that's not that's not going to tell me if in five years you would have upside for the both of us. So um, there have been people who have come in, told me their story, come in hot, you know, coming in hot on an email or something or meeting me in, a, in person. They they say, you, I know you're going to get this and you're my only shot. Mm hmm. <laughs> and I think what they think that means is that, you know, they psych themselves into thinking, she's going to write me a check today. Where do I, you know, where do I cash it? Right, right. <laughs> and I have to tell them that we can't afford to, to do that. I, I think there was a uh, one time I was like, you know, like your tears aren't going to get you the check. And that's with me or with anyone else. Also, if you feel like I'm your only shot, something else is wrong. That's too. right. That's right. Something else is wrong. Because what I don't, what I think a lot of people miss with my story is I've raised a few million dollars and I've deployed that into to companies with my team. But I've also generated millions of dollars in revenue the past five years. I've also bootstrapped the company to keep the lights on every single year and every single month without very much outside help. So I know that there's no one person, no rich person who is my only shot. You know, I, I have gotten creative every single year. So when people come to me and they have a sad story, I feel that pain with them. I relate to them in many ways. In some ways, I can never relate to them because they've gone through things I haven't gone through. But that does not mean that I'm getting the, you know, hand me my clutch and let me get my, <laughs> let me get my checkbook. Right. You can't because we have so much that we have to live up to. And it, w it won't do anybody any good. And I think people don't get this about me. Like, I know this. It won't do us any good if backstage doesn't do well. That's right. That's right. So how do you define seed stage? Because, you know, every, every every angel investor or VC I talk to defines it a little bit of a different way. Oh, check, I mean, check sizes I, are from tw 20 grand to 500 yeah. grand. Yeah, <laughs> I think it changes about every 18 months. I mean, it probably changes every six months and then real real change every 18 months. It just I mean, six years ago it was different than it was than it is today. A year ago it was different. Seed, um, I guess the way, and not to be, I'm not trying to be facetious, but it's just whatever, whatever is after pre-seed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? Because sometimes I'm like, okay, are you, are you calling this your pre-seed or your seed? And, and I'll get an answer like, it's my 
bridge to seed from pre-seed and we've raised 1.7 million in pre-seed and i'm like whoa <laughs> well how much of your company do you still own <laughs> or will you own when this converts because i don't you have a 1.7 million pre-seed and now you're doing a bridge to the seed you know and, and sometimes it happens because these things roll they roll they roll they roll you have a three-year period where people are just raising and they haven't um made it to what you would think seed is in their in their metrics for one reason or another like they did they don't have the inflection point of having enough in the bank at the right time or this that and the other um but i just call it whatever is between pre-seed and series a and there's like four levels to it there's a seed one a and (laughs) most seeds that i'm seeing right now are um they're raising somewhere between two million and five million. There are some outliers in either direction, and their valuation, or I guess your, their post, is somewhere between uh, ten and twenty-five. I got you. All right. So, so I guess most of the questions I'm going to ask are from the perspective of trying to understand how we get more Arlen Hamiltons out here and how we get more. Charles Hudson's and Richard Kirby's and Candace Matthews Burkins and Brian Burkins. And so in that, from that perspective, from that lens, how meaningful, and I read that you, you invest somewhere usually between 25 K hundred K typically, um, that might've adjusted for your last statement. Mm-hmm. Um, how meaningful is a $25,000 check, a hundred thousand dollar check, to a black founder, particularly an LGBTQ founder, an underrepresented founder, when you're in, when you're evaluating a deal, and like what milestones are you hoping that that capital gets them to? Is it that you're hoping that they can onboard more users, or is it that you're hoping they can raise more money? Typically, to follow on to that, because you're the first in. Everybody's different. Everybody's a little bit different because at backstage we're we're very flexible. I we've talked to our LPs from day one to say that we're not chasing unicorns. Um, you know, we'll have some, but we're not chasing them. So it is very specific to the company what the company needs and wants. So to answer the first part of your question or to, to kind of comment on it, we in in the past we have invested twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, and in the last twelve months it's been anything between. 50,000 and 1.5 million. Um, so, you know, to answer the question, I have to tell you that there's there's layers to it and that there is uh, a plan that's decades long and it's a decade in the making. Yeah. So early on, you know, and I just had Morgan on my podcast from, you know, CEO of Blavity and Afrotech. And she said early on she didn't quite get it. And, uh, and I understood that. And I, and, you know, we had talked about that in the past. You have to walk to run or in some cases walk to fly and really got to transport ourselves back to 2014, mm-hmm. 2015. Okay. I mean, when I think about 2015, the summer of Stephanie Lampkin, nobody would check for her. Nobody would check for Jewel Burks. 2015 i was around during the effort during the blavity round yeah yeah during 2015 so what i was thinking back then was i'm homeless literally homeless i literally don't know what i'm going to eat next 
And I'm trying to get millionaires and billionaires to listen to me, to understand that black and brown and women founders and LGBTQ founders, they're not doing anybody, any charity backing them. They're missing out, right? Mm -hmm. That's the plainest way I can say it right now. So I had, I said one day I woke up and I'm like, they're not going to listen to, cause they're not listening to me, but they have to listen to me if I'm on that cap table. Mm. Wow. And so I said, I don't know what it's going to take. So I talked to people like Sam Altman at Y Combinator and his brother, Jack. I talked to Michael Seibel. I talked to a few people, Brad Feld. And I said, what's that number? Like, what's the number that I can be taken seriously? They said, listen, we do $25,000 checks. You know, when Mark Andreessen invested in, in, in Backstage the Fund and, and Chris Saka and all these people, everybody was like, oh, you're set. These are billionaires. And I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. They're doing $50,000 checks, right? So I said, if they're doing that, if I can get to 25000 because they're doing that, then they have to talk to me. And then they have to listen. And then I can put the spotlight on these founders. And so that was what I, when I'm sitting on the floor of the airport and I'm watching people go by and I'm hungry and I'm sad and pathetic. And the only way I can keep myself from crying myself into non-existence is to strategize. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to invest in Brian. Speaking of Brian, Brian Brackeen was my first investment. I'm going to invest in Brian. I'm going to invest in Jewel. I'm going to invest in Morgan. I'm going to invest in Sheena. You know, I'm going to do this when I can. And it's going to be $25,000. So the first time I had six, when I had six investments of $25,000, I got my first real piece of press in like a, a legal um, paper. It made a lot of noise. And it wasn't about, it was, it was about like, it was, if I look back on it now, I'd probably laugh at it. Cause it'd be like, can you imagine that they found six black founders? <laughs> can you imagine? This was in 2015 or 16. So anyway, when I look at numbers, I'm people will will ask me to to be an advisor and take advisor shares for no money, just to be around them. You know what I mean? And so I'm not looking at the amount. I'm looking at what do we know about ourselves at Backstage, <clears throat> about the work that we put in every single day for a decade, day in day out. How many times have we been somebody's first call? And how many calls have we made on behalf of other people? And so all of it is to push, to catalyze, to, to, to say what others cannot say for you know, fear of losing something. All of that is wrapped up in a $25,000 check. And guess what? We might be writing $25 million of the checks one day. And it'll be the exact same reason. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Becoming a venture capitalist is a lot like raising money for your startup. But instead of pitching your widget or your software, you're alternatively trying to engage investors into the idea that you know how to find great deals. You've got the contacts, the inside track. You're the plug. So while pitching a startup is much ado about putting together a dope 10-page deck, what is a pitch like when you're putting your hat into the ring to be a bona fide investor? Arlen speaks on it. It's funny that a lot has changed in the last five years, but a lot hasn't when it comes to the pitch and when it comes to to the reaction. Uh, it's still difficult for us to raise from, from institutionals and from certain groups. Uh, but the pitch has always been we are under we're we're under we're underrepresented so we're underestimated if we have done so much us when i say we i mean black founders first and foremost if we have done so much with so little imagine what you could do what what they could do with more what we could do with more and it's always been even even when it meant losing out of money it's always been this is not philanthropic this is not for your heartstrings this is not for you to tick this off of your uh, good deeds for the year. This is, there is a wave coming and you can either be crushed by it or you can ride it. Mm-hmm. And we see it earlier than a lot of people are seeing it. So we were saying this, and I was saying this personally in 2012 and 13 and 14 outside of Silicon Valley. So yes, of course, there were many who are now friends, like black investors. That was never a question. 
Uh, and I correct people when somebody says I'm the first something or the other. No. But what I saw from afar was that uh, there was a lot to lose for those black investors if they spoke up, if we're being real. And I didn't have that to lose. I was already at the bottom. So <laughs> I didn't have that to lose. I could go out there and scream and run around and say crazy things and people could hear it. Um, so when it comes to today, like, you know, with the Republic raise, we just, you know, with this crowdfund raise for uh, the backstage entity to have to share an upside with us, which is at republic.co slash backstage. The pitch is the same as, you know, we've been saying this for years. I think it's undeniable now that black and brown founders, women founders, LGBTQ founders, we're always onto something. We're always doing something. We'll do without us. We'll do without your investor money, my investment money. We'll make a way with or without us. Don't you want to be with them? We want to. And because we've said that and been about, been about that for so long, we have proprietary access, not only to deals, because we do have an incredible amount of deal flow in the thousands per year, but also in the terms and in the, uh, the proximity to the founder, not just in this deal, not just in this round, but as you get more and more downstream and more strategic, money becomes really, really a commodity, more so than it already is, and it comes down to relationships and it comes down to integrity and it comes down to loyalty and respect and trust. And when you put me, you know, toe to toe with somebody when it comes to those things, I might not have the most money in the room, but I'm going to win on some cases in that, in those arenas. And so backing this jockey, me particular backstage in general, uh, becomes more and more strategic the further downstream we go. So the first five years may not have made much sense to people because they're like $25,000 into more than 100 companies. What are they doing? Are they saturating? Is it is the quality high? I mean, so many, even yesterday, somebody tweeted me that I'm trash and portfolio is trash and whatever. I'm going to be crying all the way to the bank. <laughs> knowing what I know about our portfolio and some of the things that are happening. Mm. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> Go ahead then. <laughs> so who do I need to be to be a VC? To be a VC, you know, venture capital. Um, I was just in TechCrunch about this because I spoke at TechCrunch and they put it into an article. I'm not, I'm not big on VC itself. I, I, that's why I say you can call me a venture capitalist, you can call me an investor, whatever you want to call me. To be a VC, I think you can be anyone who sees the future, sees what the future is going to look like in their mind's eye. You don't have to go to have gone to any certain school to be a good VC. You don't have to go know any certain person. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think you need to have a great deal of empathy for founders, whether that's because you're an operator yourself, you've had that experience, you've worked at a company, or you've just been surrounded by that, and, and for some reason um, you, can, you can speak to that, because that's the majority of your job, is that management. Is, uh, somebody asked me what a talent wrangler is, because I used to be a talent wrangler for TV shows and, and music. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what we're doing here. You know, I'm, I'm wrangling talent left and right at backstage. 
So I think you need to have that empathy and you there there's a discretion that's definitely necessary. You're going to learn a lot of uh, proprietary information and you're going to be in situations, you know, over time where something you know could affect something else and it could also make you wealthy, but you're skirting the line of either screwing someone over or as bad as, you know, insider trading or whatever. Yeah. And you have, you know, there are a lot of people who are messy at some parts in their lives and they have to kind of clean that up before they can jump into this arena. It is, it is high stakes every single day. Um, but if you could see the future and you have a very clear view of what that looks like and there are some founders either now existing or the ones that you know will be there to catch you. Um, then I think I want to see you deploying capital. There are many ways to do the same thing I'm doing to affect change that do not involve becoming a venture capitalist and mm. playing this game because this game is not that great. Uh, so I would prefer you did that. I prefer you start a company. I prefer you... Uh, were a, a backer, an angel investor, all of those things. But if you are few, you know, the few people who want to be venture capitalists, um, it doesn't matter what school you went to, who you know, who your parents are. It just matters what what kind of fingerprint you can leave on the on the uh, on the uh, world. There's a quote uh, I found from you that I love. It, it it says, "I didn't come here to get your scraps." I didn't come here to get your pity or your charity. I came here to go toe to toe with you, head to head with you and to take it all. Um, I imagine a world where um, black people dominate investing, right? Like we dominate in other verticals, culture yep. specifically. How do we then get more eligible black? And what I mean by eligible is what you said earlier, like they have the loyalty, they have the trust, that sort of thing. How do we get more of those black people to consider roles in investing, in your opinion? Oh, I mean, in my experience, um, there's been a lot of interest because people just hear the idea of being an investor and they think that makes, you know, I get to work with money. Like that's interesting to me. I get to make those decisions. Um, personally, I, what I what I know the next decade of my life will be is in addition to direct investments in companies, the same way we I just spent the last decade working on that. Um, the next decade will be in addition to that is me backing more and more fund managers who are emerging, because to me that's really where things get interesting. The the catalyzing and the impact you have there. And I don't just mean like social impact. I mean, just impact on the world uh, legacy, I guess, is incredible there because it's tenfold in any kind of calculation. Um, so I think I know that that's where I'm, I've piloted this idea with about a dozen funds led by underrepresented, underestimated <clears throat> emerging managers, um, not exclusively, but mainly that. And for the past two years or so, and that'll probably look like a hundred funds over the next decade and kind of spread the, not only the money, but the information that I have, I'm always counseling about information all day long. So I think some of that will become more, 
like I'm talking about it now, but you know, imagine a world where there are more fund of funds and maybe things that are like accelerators for, for investors like that to me, I've been trying to make that happen since 2016. It hasn't been the right time, but I think it's, I've, I've reached the point where I could do something like that. And I think showing like being able to articulate and show the through line for people. Um, Olin Douglas is a black man who has a 150 or $60 million fund called Motley Fool Ventures. And he does a really great job of explaining why black people need to be venture backed and in venture. Uh, he was on my podcast, your first million a few weeks ago. And I think that the more um, successful black companies there are, the more you're going to learn about how they got there. What's the through line, right? The more television shows and movies and games and podcasts that portray black excellence in this way and other in this way, the more people will say, how did they get from there to there? I want to be part of that. I want that. So it's not just in, um, you know, you, the people you named, you just multiply that by 10, so maybe 50 or 100 of us w w in a room, that's great. But we ourselves in the black tech investing community, which is not a lot of us, but it's more than people think, we can fill a room for sure. We have to think about things in an abundance mindset and in a succession, succession mindset of who is after us. Like I said recently on Twitter, we will, all of us living, will one day be the ancestors to somebody. How are we gonna proceed accordingly? So I think there's a lot of like, let's make sure that we're good, because uh, a lot of us came from circumstances that weren't, but I always, I always think, you know, I'm always gravitating towards the people who are saying, how do, how do I share? Like think of, like you said, Candace and Brian, like what they're doing in St. Louis and what they've been doing since day one in their companies yeah. and their accelerator yeah. and now in their fund. Yeah. And Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. All of that. Um, that's what I gravitate towards is like, there's enough for all of us. There's plenty, there's stuff that's not going to even be used. There's going to be scraps left over, <laughs> but we don't have to all fight on this corner. That's right. Where, where there's all this abundance for us. There's another quote that I, that you said was people who interview me or are, you know, want insights from me. They are always asking me about trends. Um, and I just don't care about trends, unquote. In context of that, like, I'd like to understand how you think about being genuine to what matters to you and how that may, how, how that might make financial sense from the perspective of providing returns. Because I would imagine most VCs are looking at trends because those have what would be the success indicators. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? Who, who said it? Was it Steve Jobs? Somebody said the best way to predict the future is to make it. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's to me. I mean, if I'm looking at trends, I'm too late. I think I'm too late. If it's trendy, if it's trending, you know, I'm too late. I'm looking at the pulse of things early as possible. This is what I think the future will look like. And therefore I need to back the things that will be 
prepared for that future rather than, oh, wow, this thing everybody's on, um, it must be good because everybody's on it. Let's, let's hitch a ride. Yeah. And I also, it's also because I would be disingenuous if I, disingenuous if I said that I'm some sort of, you know, financial scholar, you know, <laughs> that I keep up with what's going on on Wall Street to Main Street. To this. I don't, I get off, I often get asked to go on like Squawk Box and things like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't want me on Squawk Box. <laughs> you don't want me on there because all I'm going to say is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But what I can tell you is, ask me a question about being there for the founder at three o'clock in the morning when they don't know if they should be acquired or not, or they should keep going with their dream. And they're worried about their board firing them because they didn't take the right answer. Ask me what happens when someone passes away and other people are reaching out to ask about, you know, other types of things that are not important in that moment, in my opinion. All of that. Um, so, so trends, I'm not like saying that, like I, even on my podcast, I'll talk about things that are of the day, you know, kind of with wonder and whatever, you know, curiosity, that curiosity got me here. But I'm not going to pretend that I have any sort of expertise in places that I don't. I have expertise in certain places. I don't know many people who can tell, explain how to build a fund the way that I can. So I'm going to share that expertise as much as I can for other people. But I, I don't know about uh, certain things that are that are trendy. And also, I'm such a, a non-FOMO person. So I don't, I mean, it took me months to even sign up for Clubhouse. I haven't signed up for Dispo. I love everybody having a good time. I just don't, I, I want my string cheese, my Diet Coke, and my general hospital. That's <laughs> the general hospital? Oh, general. Oh, don't get me started on general hospital. I'm an expert. <laughs> general hospital is a fantastic television program. Okay. I, I will take your word for it. Right, yeah. 30 some years I've been watching that show. It's beautiful. I've been on the set. This is, this is what I want. So I missed my 40th birthday just in October because of COVID. What I want for my 41st, if you're listening, ABC, Prospect Park, what I want is for Laura Wright, who plays Carly Carinthos. Yes. Give me a soap opera slap on camera, on set. I want to have one line and her, she has one line and then she slaps me. And okay. we record it and I use it as a gift. <laughs> so I'm so I'm gonna give you your squawk box answer. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. far so out I, of my world. I'd right be now. great to like, you know, you know, put me on put me on the reel or something, but yeah. squawk no, I, I I'd probably hurt some feelings at squawk box because I would you know say most things are silly yeah. that they were talking about. But <laughs> I really appreciate people like um Charles Hudson, Monique Woodard. Yeah, Monique. Uh, uh, Marlon, Marlon Nichols, um, Brian, et cetera, et cetera, because they, I love the, to me, they're all like, they're all Dwayne Wayne to me, you know, <laughs> like they got that, that got that college swag or that intellectual swag to them and also making moves. So oh, yeah. I love it. Um, I love that you talked about, you know, being there for that founder at those crossroads of their, at their company, because you told the story um, on an interview I saw about you wrote, keep going on a whiteboard in one of your old apartments. And 
surrounded by all of the you know strategy it was this big words and keep going and you had to force yourself to look at that sometimes because yeah. it got rough and so how do you know when the path you're on is the wrong path then however because i would the reason i ask is because some people will look at let's say like the rodney williams of the world and the jessica matthews and see that they're building these you know moonshot companies these mm -hmm. humongous companies and we want we want to do that but our path may be a really great lifestyle company mm -hmm. and so but we have this big keep going on our dashboard and in our mirror in the morning that says no keep going but we what we really should be doing is focus on our path well my keep going was focus on your path my keep going was not to build Andreessen Horowitz my or Sequoia or Kleiner Perkins my keep going was right next to stay true to yourself you know in spirit um so the keep going isn't a keep hustling keep you know gotta kill, move 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 it's don't give up like don't don't stop because what you're doing most people can't understand or what you're doing hasn't paid off for you yet that it is a it kept me going and it still does you know my version of it now keeps me going of so many days even today like today and you know relatively even this year so many days i go for days where people are telling me behind closed doors you can't do that we're not going to do that you're not going to do that there's no way no 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 <laughs> And they're also saying like, but if you play by our rules, we got you. So my keep going is don't give in, don't give up. You know, there are some people who should be creating what Jessica Matthews is creating. And there are some people who should be creating the lifestyle brands that you described. And there are some people who should be employee number 17 of either one. And all three of them have every bit of the same respect for me and should feel incredibly good about themselves because you, my whole thing is like you're, you can only live for yourself at the end of the day, no matter what your beliefs are, your belief system about spirituality or the afterlife or all of that. One thing I think most people can agree on is that in this body and in this time, this is the only time you have. So use it wisely. You know, don't live for somebody else. Um, and sometimes it is hard to know if you're on the right path because it's so hard and you're like, am I supposed to not be on it because it's so difficult? You know, love isn't supposed to, supposed to hurt. Uh, contrary to what most people say, exercise is not supposed to hurt. It's supposed to burn, but not be painful, that sort of thing, you know? So when do you know? And, th and that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole, that's why I had to write a whole book about it. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Nearborn. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. 
Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Go get your money. Peace and love. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.